Hi, Merlin. My name is Charlie Fitzroy. I'm the CEO of Bradhead Lithium. We have a variety of lithium exploration assets in Arizona and Nevada. Um, we, what sets us apart from other juniors in our space is that we have lithium brines, pegmatites, and clay assets. We have three types, which is unusual and gives us real geological upside and also spreads our risk as a company. Um, we're in the process of developing these assets. We've just raised um, just under 30 million US dollars last week. So we're very well funded and we're pushing forward with our fast track exploration plan over this year and into next and a lot of results to come. We put our first updated resource out early this year and we're going to be doing more drilling at our clay assets coming forward this year. And we'll be starting drilling at our pegmatites in June this year. So a lot happening at the company and really nice to be here to talk to you about it. Charlie, nice to meet you. Um, good introduction. Good to talk to you. Um, I noticed looking at your CV that we've um, got a, a, a few similarities in there as well. So you, you you did a geology degree first, is that right? Yes. Yeah. My undergrad was in geology and I spent five years in the army before working at a, a mineral exploration drilling company. And then when I did the uh, Imperial College Masters, which I think you were the one of the, the founders of back in the day. <laughs> so... So, so um, I think we, and you also worked in the city as well. You, you, you've been a, an analyst for a number of years. I mean, much in the same way that I've done as well. So um, I think we should look at projects in the same way. We should approach them in the same way, um, unless you disagree, perhaps. <laughs> well, as you said, you know, two journalists, geologists in one room always have a, a difference of opinion somewhere. So yeah, <laughs> good. Good, good, good. Um, so Brad, I had lithium. How did you come to an American lithium story? If you're, um, you know, to, to, what was the, what was the leap that took you from the previous place to uh, this one? Yeah, I, I was a, um, an analyst at a small broker called Arden Partners, and I left Arden to join China Molly, which is a very large Chinese corporate. I was on their corporate development and strategy team. So doing a lot of work looking at projects around the world for them. And I did a lot of work looking at lithium. So I looked at most lithium projects uh, around the world, you know, pegmatites in Australia, brines in South America. And opportunity to join Brada, where you have clays, pegmatites, and brines, I jumped at it. And also in the US, in Arizona and Nevada, which are fantastic places to develop assets. I think end of 2020, Fraser Institute study, they were ranked number one and two from investment attractiveness for mining projects. So that's why I, I took the opportunity to work at Brada. And, and we listed last year, last July. And since then, we've had a really, really good uh, start of our listed life as a company. We did a lot of build work last year. So put together a lot more understanding about the assets, finished our first drill program, started our second drill program. And this year, we're going to be adding to the resources. We increased our resources at our base and east project, which I'll come to a bit later. Um, I can put up, do you want me to put up a map actually? Just to sort of yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that'd be, hang on, before you do, before you do, Ian Stalker, your chairman, did, did he was he the contact for you, the, the, your conduit into the company, or, or was that a later relationship? Because I mean, I've known Ian for 20 odd years 23, 24 years, I've been working with Ian. Ian, Ian had the, the responsibility to find a new CEO. So he was interviewing and he was, I, I was introduced to him. Um, you know, I suppose the rest is history. But um, yeah, Ian's a fantastic person to work with. He's got the most phenomenal amount of knowledge. He spent 30 years in Africa. He's built 12 mines himself. So he's a really, really good guy to have as a chairman. And I appreciate all his opinions. It's a good, good, very per good person to work with. Even though some of his jokes are terrible. <laughs> 
No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. I I, I spent last summer, we were unlucky enough to be stranded. Um, Our car broke down. And in those five hours, I very much appreciated his his repertoire of jokes. (laughs) Good, 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 good. Yeah, funnily enough, mine were car related as well. We spent a lot of time driving around them. the Zambian copper belt in I think 1999 um we, we we covered a lot of jokes in that time as well but anyway sorry a distraction um to the maps yes of course this is our overview of our sedimentary assets this is all in Arizona um about two and a half hours from Phoenix um, the nearest place to its place called Wickenburg which is um the team roping capital of the U.S. um I'm sure Merlin you, you come on a site visit I will I will show you um uh, what, what roping Team rope, team roping. But so that's is that clean? I mean, is that something? Is it safe for work? Can we discuss it? Or is it something? <laughs> no, it's just American term for um, lassoing. So it's it's a right. rodeo. It's ro- team roping is basically a rodeo event, and uh, it's the capital of the US for it. Um, so yes, very very clean, very very safe for work. Um, right. Um, so these these are the projects here in Arizona. These are clay assets. So you can see from this map, we've got our Wikiup project, which sits around the town of Wikiup. And then you've got our basin project. I'm just going to annotate on this map here. Give me two seconds. So you've got Wikiup project, which sits around here. Yep. And then you've got our basin project, which is just here. As you can see, Highway 93 runs straight away through Wikiup. So very good infrastructure through there. Um, Freeport's Baghdad Copper Mine is just sit here. So it's just east of our mine. It's been there for 100 years. Um, there's a gas pipeline which runs very close to us, which Freeport uses. It's a government pipeline, so we can tap into that if we want to at some point. Um, we are going to be developing these projects with as view to be as low carbon as possible. Um, a solar panel is a natural thing in Arizona, and that's something we're going to hope, hope to be able to use. Um, the reason I brought this up is because we've just put a resource out a couple of weeks ago, updated at Basin East. And our basin project is this one. I'll just jump through to it. So this is our basin project. This is where we had our results. Sorry, Sorry so just, just, just to kind of, um, just to step back a bit. So you, the, your, you've got the, the, the sedimentary assets are very much your flagship within the, within the Bradderhead um, portfolio. And just remind me, what was the resource that you put out last year? That was the first resource you put out last year was on which asset? Um, so there was a resource which was d- done back in 2018. So that, that resource has been there since 2018. Um, we started a drill program mid last year. And this resource is the updated version of that one. So if you look at actually this map here, it's a good one. If you see down in that, this far corner, you'll see a uh, sort of purple outline with dash. That's the old 2018 resource outline. Can you show, can you show me with your mouse, please? Sorry, I can't. Okay, or even better, they, they're annotating it. Yeah. Okay, so that, that was the old 2018 resource. Yeah, and then you see the blue line just pushed out a little bit. That's the new one. Right. Just, just you know, you'll see it just there. You see yeah. That? yeah, yeah, got it. So that, that's um, the 2022 resource. And that's based on how much extra drilling did you do into that? And, and was there a change of thinking on the way that you modeled that resource? And what was the, what was the process of, of that expansion? Yes. So um, on the last resource, SRK, because we used, well, we I wasn't there at the time, but RC drilling was used for the last resource. And SRK's, one of their um, recommendations was to use core drilling. We used core drilling last year. And whilst it gave us a very good geological understanding, it was it was unfortunately very slow. So we did one th- about 1,100 metres of drilling last year. So a small programme. And 
we had about 185,000 tons of lithium carbon equivalent in the resource from the 2018 one, and we expanded that to about 305,000 tons. That was from a core program. Um, the drilling we've just we're doing at WikiUp is Sonic, and that has been much better than core. So we're going to be using Sonic um, for our sort of early stage exploration at, at these claims going forward. It just gives us a better understanding of the lithology. Um, RC is obviously good for infill, but to really understand, because if you look at that block section just to the left here, you'll see there's an upper clay unit and a lower clay unit. It's quite small, I know. Um, the, the reason that's important is because there's a lapilli tuff in between it, and which separates the two units. And some of the RC yep. drilling, actually, it was quite hard to distinguish where that, that tuff was. So having the, the core drilling has really helped us to understand the bands. And the key thing is because that's important, because in the last resource, it was just one block of resource. Now we've identified the upper zone and the lower zone. And that's important because... There's a few faults we identified showing that the upper clay thickens the west and northwest. The upper clay zone is much more higher grade than the lower zone. And we also found within that upper zone, we found a higher grade unit of um, 1300 ppm lithium. So, you know, considerably higher than our average grade. And that covers about 20% of our resource. But this is all important because last year as well, we did a load of geophysics over all our sedimentary claims, which has enabled SRK now to give us an expiration target of between one and six million tons of LC at our basin projects alone. So hang, hang, can we just, just um, uh, the information coming thick and fast, my, my poor brain can only cope with so much. The, why was the diamond drilling so slow? Was that because the, the rock is so unconsolidated that the core recoveries were difficult or was there, you know, we, explain the reasons behind the slow drilling? We wanted to get good recoveries. That was a key thing. So yeah, to enable that good recovery, it had to go very slowly. Um, just because of the rock. Um, You're triple tubing? Yes, correct. Um, it was, it just, the the clay was just, it just, the core just didn't work very well. It's just very slow moving, hard work. You know, the sonic drillers um, who you know, were doing it, they're, they're going to do a, uh, a um, expansion program at Basin East. Um, we're looking forward to getting them there because the work they've been doing at WikiUp, the sonic drilling has been much better than the core drilling. So we're quite excited about getting them getting them going there. If, um, could you just um, drop the, the image just for a second, just um, oh. while we have a little detour into the, the niceties of different drilling types. RC drilling, reverse circulation, you create, the, the, the hammerhead basically crushes the rock and you the, the, the core chips go out the outside of the tube. Diamond drilling, you core it out, you cut it with a kind of a, a hollow um, bit of pipe and a crown on the on the end. Um, describe to me what, and sorry, the, what kind of material are you dealing with? Is this powdery? Is it wet? Is it very friable? You know, what are the actual physical attributes of the of the the core when you look at the core in the tray? You know, what do you, what does it look like? It's a mixture, um, but yeah, you're right. The, um, we've got the lapilli tough in the, in the middle, which has. But, you know, volcanic residue in there, you've got various things that are quite hard. Um, so that's why we were concerned about the sonic drilling. Because sonic drilling, generally, people don't like using it on slightly harder harder rock types, but we've been told it's absolutely fine to go through that amount. You get a bit of basalt here and there. Um, the, the clay how, how, how does it work? How, how does sonic drilling work? I've never come across it. It's, it's, well, it's on a much, it's a bigger rig than a sort of small core drilling rig. Um, you're not using very much water at all. And it's, it's the sort of the vibrations which are sort of pushing it through. You're sort of making, the vibrations are causing the, um, the sort of water to move the clay and sort of cutting through it with a sort of 
sonic way of doing it. Um, it's just the vibrations, which are, sorry, I know it's not a very good explanation, but it, <laughs> um, it, it's, and it's very quick. Um, it, I was really quite impressed, especially for this. It's sonic for clay is ideal. It, it and so how, how, how deep can it go? Go pretty deep. I think our guys have done down to sort of, I don't know, 800 feet, I think maybe a bit longer than that. Um, so they can get pretty deep, you know, it, Sonic drilling has its has its place, and it is when the general the medium is a bit softer than you know. Say we're drilling our pegmatites in June, we'll be using core drilling there because Sonic just wouldn't work. You know that's way too hard for Sonic drilling. So Sonic is perfect for something like this, where you've got to conserve water because that's one of the key things about Sonic. You don't use much water compared to core or RC, and for clay, it's the ideal situation to use Sonic. Um, the clay we're getting in our zones is nicely formed. Um, it's not too soft that it falls in, but it, it's, it works really well. They come out as kind of a little kind of phyllo pastry, kind of you can you can see the kind of the, the 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 layers in it. Is it kind of a? Can you get sections of core that you can do some? Yeah. Well, the key thing with Sonic is it comes out. It's quite it's thicker, generally thicker than core. So you get more you get more of the core coming out. Um, and with the, with what we have, we just cut it in half, and then you open it up, and you can see beautifully the the geology. Um, there on the outside, it's a bit you know for the perfect specimen of a of a, of a core. You, yeah, core drilling is the ideal thing. The sonic is a bit more, but you're getting fantastic recoveries. But it's just cutting it open, and you can see in the middle what the what the core is like. Okay, and they've got the rigs in Arizona. They they it's 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 a kind of a well established industry there. Yeah, I've the we, we use Bert Longyear, and they're fantastic. The the two brothers who've been running our program out there have been working on the that rig for fifteen years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I've just never come across it. I've, I guess I've always been working in harder rock stuff. Well, it's actually, you're right. It is, um, it's not that well known. I think people just assume it's really expensive. Um, that's why people write it off quite often, but actually um, we find it more cost, you know, cost effective than quartering. Quartering in the U S is expensive right now because it is a busy market. So many people are trying to do things, the projects out there, everyone's trying to drill. So trying to get a driller and at a good price is hard work in the U S right now. And the fact that and, core drilling, you can't go on any hard rocks. Sorry, not core So Sonic, you can't use on hard rocks. Is actually getting Sonic rig availability is marginally easier than core rigs. And what's your kind of, what's it cost to a uh, per meter? I mean, do, I, I know things that are always variable, but um, for internal budgeting process um, purposes, when you, if you look at the kind of the cost of the program and the cost of the geologists and the cost of the cost of the analysis, do you say $250 all in or $300 or 350 or 200 you know what's your internal budgeting kind of um number for the program exclusive of the assays and the network um just for the drilling getting it you know getting the getting the core out of the ground and split and sent off um we look at something between $100 a foot so it is expensive um you know it's it's sort of it's just over sort of three hundred dollars a meter, maybe three to four hundred meters, something like that. My maths is marginally off on that, but um, Aki, I'm not in charge of the budget. Um, that is the CFO's responsibility. But um, we look at something of that much to estimate that. Oh, and poor you having to work in the imperial system. I mean, if you've done a, a science degree, um, <laughs> having to move away from SI units and work into feet and inches. Um, yeah, well, it's yeah, there's everything's in feet in the US. Um, but, um, you know, unfortunately, 
That's the way it is. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah. Just the way it is. Okay. Sorry. So um, that was a little rabbit hole, but I, it was useful for me to kind of get to my understanding of where you were in terms of the kind of the sonic drilling and the the, the resource upgrade you did from one hundred eighty-five thousand to um, three hundred five thousand. You know, that's a fifty percent up uptick more is greater than a 50% increase, but it was only a kind of relatively small volumetric um, in terms of the surface um, footprint. Does that mean that you had better understanding of the thickness of the clays and did the grade go up? Is that, it, it, was it a grade volume growth? You know, is that where the growth came? Well, I will, I'm going to share the slide again for this one, actually. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So with the so the resource increase went about sixty five percent. Some areas where we drilled, um, we've got some data, but you know a few areas there were some faults. So you know we haven't got all the data there. That's why we're doing the fourteen hole program because we want to understand more about the grade profile in some areas. Um, the overall grade actually dropped marginally, but the thing is about this program is we, we increased our knowledge about the resource. We identified the upper zone and the lower zone. And in the upper zone, we've identified that high-grade unit, which covers 20% of the resource now. With all the geophysics we've done, the better understanding of the deposit, SRK have now given us a 1 to 6 million tonne um, lithium carbon equivalent exploration target at Basin. So our understanding has grown greater, grown dramatically. Um, if you look at where the resource is, you'll see the, sort of the cover there, and there's quite a lot of the clay, which is the turquoise cover exposed. We go over to sort of the basin west and west extension, which are, let me just highlight that, basin west and west extension and basin north and then basin east extension. You'll see most of that cover is still there. Where we've seen that cover removed on the sort of east side here and has been, and been faulting uplifting, you generally, the, up, the upper clay zone was generally eroded, but in this unit of the deposit, it's still there. And there's some nice faults there which are controlling that. So this bit, this side's been uplifted. And this side still has the upper zone intact. From our ge the geophysics we've done and the work we've done, our understanding is the upper zone is intact across the rest of the deposit. And that's why we're very excited about getting going and drilling there. Because um, if we can chase this upper grade unit, which sits in the top, top, top zone, then we can chase that across the whole of the deposit. And then we've got a, a very different... Um, resource grade we're looking at for a potential mining operation. So that's why we're focused on the upper zone rather than sort of the resource combined together. So if I was looking at it, I'd be focusing more on the upper zone. You know, the fact that it's nearer to surface, we can mine that higher grade unit for, a, you know, to pay off any capital costs, things like that. And then once that's all paid off, maybe go down to the lower grade unit afterwards once we've, you know, got infrastructure all there in place. So it, it is a key thing that we've found that upper grade unit and a higher grade unit within the upper grade zone. When you talk about higher grade, what are you, what, what are you, what are you talking about? We've got about, so 20% of our resource is at 1300 ppm. So, you know, 20% of 6 million tons, we could have a, a potentially that much of a, of a, of a high grade unit. And, you, you know, the operational capacity you're looking at between 20 and 40,000 tons LC production per year. So if you have a one to two million resource at 1300 ppm, that'll keep you going for a long time. And that's using 400 ppm cutoff, is that right? Uh, yes. Um, okay. And when you say you're drilling 14 holes um, in this next phase, how much of that is infill and how much of it is on the, um, the, the new 
claims? So we've got 10 holes planned for Basin North. So we'll be doing, we're permitting this, this sort of section of Basin North to drill um, shortly. We're permitting 150 or 120 holes over all Basin East extension, which sits next to it. So we'll probably be doing 20 holes there, 10 holes at Basin North, and then 14 holes at Basin East. And the Basin East holes are, some are going to be on this east side, just to understand more about where, where we have, where we we don't know more about, we don't know much about the clay there, just because there are some upper units we want to drill into. And then the rest are going to be a combination of trying to understand more about this little portion down here we don't know about. And then again, just understanding more about this section in the northwest here. Um, and also a few, few down here just to understand more. So it's a combination of infill and expansion of the resource size. But we've, you know, we have now got a, a decent amount indicated also at this project, which is which has really helped. Um, sorry, which has gone from SLK's increased knowledge in the deposit from the drilling we've done and the geophysics, which has really helped with fault mapping. All these things have added to our resource confidence. Um, the geophysics you did, what 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 what's the main tool that you used? Um, it was GPR plus, so ground penetrating radar plus, um, and we covered all our sedimentary assets. We actually covered the San Domingo pegmatites as well. Um, for the for the clay assets, the it was fantastic. It really helped us. You can see the faults clearly. You can see the clay layers. Um, it's been a really good tool for us for planning more drill holes. And we wouldn't have this exploration target without that geophysics because you know, whilst a certain level of confidence can be inferred from the drill programs we've done in the mapping, having that geophysics and seeing similar profiles on what we've drilled holes has really helped SLK with their confidence to be able to give us that exploration target across our basin project. You're able to correlate the geophysical signal across your known drill holes and extrapolate that over the, the geophysical signal that you've got on the other claims. Yes. And what's the, what's the kind of the... Um, the ground penetrating radar plus, you know, what's the plus mean and, and how far does that give you? With the GPR plus, um, you get, you know, I think we get very good visibility down to 100 metres or something around that level. And after that, again, to sort of dissipate the resolution. But that's why you get geophysical guys to come and do this because they're used to it. They understand the signs and you, you can pay them for interpretations of what they think is there too. So from that 100 metres, um, is something which is slightly more, you know, trying to understand about it. But our resource sits in that up 100 metres. So for us, it's fantastic. We don't really need to go a lot deeper than that. So that's why for us, GPR Plus is, is ideal. What's the thickness of your upper zone? It varies, but um, between on sort of east side of base and east, we've got 30 metres. But then when we see it thickening, you're going down to 90, 95 metres, something like that. So, yeah, and that's, we think it might get even thicker. So that's for us. Is what we're chasing. We're chasing that upper zone, which is thickening to the west and northwest. With the survey, can you map the top of that, or can you map the whole thing as a unit? Can you get sections which you can basically say, "Ah, oh, this, 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 uh, have you got a response for the upper unit? Have you kind of have you locked into that as a as a visible, uh, mappable, traceable unit through the geophysics?" Yes. So some of the overlying sediments do change. So when we're going through the sort of creek bed. That changes the, the signature a little bit, but generally we're getting similar signatures across the whole thing, which should demonstrate um, clay. We're not, you know, it's hard to demonstrate whether it's upper or lower zone clay, but we are 
it is very similar signature to the upper zone we have in our portion going into the rest of the the claims. So I can't say for definite, but it, it looks it looks similar. And can you pick up the the, the lapilli tuff, or is that um, not visible? Yes. Again, sometimes when you have the overlying sediments, it can change the speed and it can change the interpretation. But quite often we're getting very good understanding of where that tuff is and where that spreads to. So yeah. It, Yes, yes, you can, but it's obviously not 100%. It, you know, geophysics is great, but it is, it's a tool. You know, it is a tool to yeah. understand more and to work out where to drill. And that's why we're, we're excited about getting going drilling. We're in the process of permitting Basin East Extension and Basin North um, to understand more about deposits. So when we, when we join those resources up, we should have quite a sizable resource estimate update at the end of the year. And what is that permitting process? I mean, uh, I, in, the, in the States, it's you know, patent claims and all this kind of stuff. And it's uh, it, um, and when do you get the permits for the Western uh, extensions? Because I saw you, you know, you've done the geophysics over that as well. So uh, two-part question, you know, what's the process of getting the permits for the North and East? And then when will you get the permits and when do you plan to tackle the, the, the West? So Basin East Extension, which is that green sort of uh, horseshoe shape bit, that is a state lease, like Basin East. They're both state leases. Um, so they are a bit more straightforward in some respects. Basin North, Basin West and West Extension are all BLM. Um, so they're all federal claims. We're in the process now of permitting for a five-acre uh, NOI on Basin North. Um, that enables us to do some early stage exploration without doing a big plan of operations. Um, plan of operations takes longer. Um, plan of operations we're looking into doing on Basin West and West Extension, dependent upon um, first stage of that program at Basin North, but we're pretty confident, as you can see from the previous slide, we've done mapping over Basin West, West Extension, very good clay grades at surface. It's looking very exciting. The geophysics is highlighting that as well. So that is something which we'll probably do in one big lump to enable us to just drill as much as we want a basin west and west extension. And then we'll be hopefully drilling there first half next year. And then I get a, a big resource out mid next year to go into the early stage technical study. Cause that's where we want to start now. We want to start the early stage technical study and, <clears throat> and the numbers that will feed into that will just increase the economics if we get increase our resources in the ground. I, I, I will get onto the, the de-risking <laughs> and the, and the mineral processing and, and the, the economic study. Um, but just for my simple brain, the, the the federal claims and the western areas, and I know you've it's not just you've got the basin north as well, but let's call it the west and the western extension. Those are under the federal claims. You've got a plan of operations that you've got to do, and you say that that's going to effectively say that by drilling next year, it's going to take eight or nine months to get that permitted. Is that, is that the main reason for the scheduling in H1 next year? Or is, is, are there other factors which are causing that scheduling? I mean, does the permitting take eight months? It takes, it takes a longer time, yes. Um, it's hard to sort of say exactly how long it will take, but it takes more time. Um, more studies are required. And now we've got our extra funds, we can actually get going on that, which is fantastic. So that, that is, and it costs money to permit these things. So it, it is something which takes longer than a state lease or a sort of five acre NOI. But with a five acre NOI, you're limited to five acres. So, you know, For NOI? Uh, notice of intent um, to expiration. Um, and, you know, there's only, you can only disturb five acres of ground there. So if you think about it, we have a lot of claims and each claim is 20 acres. 
um, it, it is a, a very small area you can actually explore, <clears throat> especially if you're creating roads, things like that. So do a plan of operations is very critical for any large scale exploration activity on on, on a greenfield ground in, in the desert. What's the permitting situation on a state claim? So, so you, you've got Basin East that you'll be able to work this year because it's on a state claim. And then the bigger program you'll be able to test next year once you've got the permitting the plan of operations through the federal system. Yes, um, that is correct. So for state leases, we can do a larger scale drill permit in a much shorter period of time. Um, so we'll be permitting 120 holes at Basin East Extension, and we'll be drilling 20 or 30 of those holes this year um, to expand our reserve uh, East. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. I, I did hear 120 holes first, and then you were talking about 20 holes. So I crossed out the one at the beginning, but you, no, you do plan to do 120 holes. We are going to permit 120 holes. Like, for example, at Basin East, we've got 140 holes permitted, um, but we don't have to draw them all at once. That's the beauty, the difference between state and federal leases. So we are going to, we're permitting for 120 holes at Basin East Extension, and we're only going to drill 20 or 30 now to understand what we have there. And then we do infill drilling to fill the gaps in. Like some other people in the world, I learn by repetition. So with the geophysics, with the geology you know, with the drilling that you've got planned, you should be able to demonstrate growth and resources. And you've demonstrated that already with the resource upgrade from 2021 to 2022. So let's kind of take that as a given that you're going to head down that road towards kind of growing your resource base. And you've got that SRK target of one to six uh, million tons of contained lithium carbonate equivalent. Now, the mineral processing, how do you know that this is going to be economic? Um, talk to me about where, where you come from. Um, when you were working for China Molly, you obviously looked at a bunch of different processing types. Um, where does this sit on your um, choice spectrum, so to speak? It is a clay project, which a lot of people don't like to look at from that point of view, but what we've seen so far is we're using relatively straightforward, well-known kit to be able to process this. We have done some testing at atmospheric conditions, so atmospheric pressure, 90 degrees centigrade, um, warm acid leach. Um, so far, the first stage of that has been very positive. It's demonstrated we can extract 99% of the lithium into the leach, which looking at our sort of peer group is a very strong results. And now we've moved on to the second stage of that to extract the lithium from the leach solution to produce the lithium carbonate um, product or lithium hydroxide product, depending which way we're going. Um, and that's what we're doing at the moment, which takes a bit longer because it is obviously a more complicated step, but we are using very much very well-known equipment. There's nothing um, really new or novel or exciting, you know, not, not that it's not exciting, but there's nothing hard there. You know, it's using kit that we know how to use and we're just working out how to use it in the best way to produce our end product. What do people, you, you said that um, some people don't, are kind of a, a bit um, wary of lithium clay projects. Um, and you, oh. you, must, you must have in your mind kind of some of the things which would cause alarm or are known challenges for lithium clay projects. So, you know, what are the, what are the things that you're on the lookout for as, as potential stumbling blocks? I suppose the key thing is really high high acid consumption you know that can be a thing in some in some clays um ours has a mid-level i think acid consumption but we we have a lot of byproducts a lot of co-products so we're looking at how to extract those as well to pay for that 
um, asset consumption. That, that's the key thing with clay. It, it is high asset consumer. It's not necessarily that I don't like lithium. People don't like lithium clay processing. People just generally tend to avoid clay processing because it can be tricky. Um, but so far, we are not seeing any big red flags. And everything- because uh, tricky because it's fine grained and things can precipitate out and clog up, bung up the system. Yeah, it can just get a bit of soapy, get messy. It, it, it can cause problems for processing. We haven't seen that so far. So we're we are pro- proceeding forwards, and we've done there's some previous work done in 2018, 2016, which again showed very similar things. Um, so we're we're confident we're moving, pushing forward with this and moving on to our phase two, which is a longer process to get to that end product. And hopefully we'll get those results out towards the end of the year. And that, that is the plan. And the acid consumption typically comes from carbonates. Yes. And are you able to, uh, are you doing XRF work or whole rock analysis so that you've got a handle on the carbonate distribution in your clays? Yes, exactly. We did. We, we've done um, analysis of our lithium. I think most of our lithium actually 85% of our mineralization sits in the sub um 15 micron fraction so we can concentrate our lithium grade by 15 percent just by getting rid of the the rest of the sort of size fractions which has been quite a helpful first step in our processing uh and so, so that's potentially a kind of a wash process or a de-sliming or a actually you probably want the slimes don't you if you're going for the <laughs> yeah <laughs> no well, yeah well it's it's you know it's it's a process but um you know we're seeing a lot of people pushing forward in this area um you know bacchanora we know that's that's in you know being brought up by gang feng a lot of confidence has grown in the clay world and many other projects like american Limbs, tlc mcdermott thacker pass all these projects are pushing towards development so we're definitely watching and seeing how they're doing things and learning from this good 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 you yeah, you when you talk about the second phase of um metallurgical test work are you taking samples now that are then that are being leached and then going straight onto second leach or it's kind of the, the the extraction of the lithium or have you kept the the uh the pregnant solutions the, the, the are you able to do subsequent test work on that and you know what are the timelines and wh- when do you expect outputs from that bit of test work so we've got we've got a, we've got a lot of um core from our program so we're in no shortage of core so we're using fresh fresh core from used from the same areas we did the previous work on to make sure they're comparable and you know depending on the labs labs are very busy in the us you know each assay assays are taking between eight to 12 weeks to come back um so you're looking at you know four to five months for a program like this to sort of finish up and surely there are not many laboratories or not every laboratory can extract lithium from a leachate i think a lot of the labs are have varying levels of understanding of this or experience in it um there are quite a few which are doing most of the work for most of the clay guys in the us and we're using the same labs they use so uh, the guys we're using understand the process and have done it before well 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 there we go does a 10 percent change in the grade have a massive impact on the economics or is it too early to say what the the, the approach is and when do you when do you start putting into your your geological knowledge with your open pit resource with your um when do you start looking at scoping studies and kind of putting some wrapping some economics around your 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 overall information set well yeah this is what we're doing this year we're expanding our resources joining up the basin north basin east extension to basin east to basin east so that will enlarge our resources we're doing the metallurgical studies at the same time and we're looking at things like environmental baseline studies all this feeding into getting an early stage technical study um I've dearly underway this year, but probably underway early next year. 
and then finishing that um, next year sometime. That, that is our plan at the moment. That's what we're, we're looking to do. And will you be going down the, the Jork route to kind of get a scoping study or will you be following the Canadian PEA rules? Um, or, or maybe the AIM has got their own. I'm, I mean, what, what's it, what, would, what would it be called under AIM rules? You know, we're listed on AIM. We're listed on the OTCQB. We want the optionality to be open to be able to list on TSXD potentially at some point because we definitely see the benefit. You know, our recent raise, US 10 million came from North American investors. We've got a lot of interest there from North America. So we'd probably go down the PEA route um, just to be able to keep things open for, for North American listing if, if that was something we might look at. There's also the added degree of integrity, I guess, in the Canadian system that the Canadian companies have to publish their full technical report, whereas the Australian companies can get away with just pu- um, publishing the summary. We're, we're not even that, possibly just even the highlights. So, um, Yep, there's, there's definitely different levels of reporting. Um, but <laughs> that is, that's another conversation, I suppose. Good. Well, um, thank you so much. I've, um, we haven't touched on your other assets, but let's, um, can we move now to the, let's, let's park the brines for perhaps another conversation at another point in the future. But I'd like to learn a little bit about the pegmatites and about your approach to that and what your plans are for this year on the pegmatites. Yes, I'm glad you asked because I must say the pegmatites is something which I really am very excited about. Um, I'm just going to pop it up on the screen now. Just yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, sure. This is our, our San Domingo pegmatite district. So you see it's about, this area is about 9K, 9K strike. It was mined back in the 40s and 50s. So at surface, some old adits. Um, we've had spodumene crystals between a meter and a half long, half meter wide. So big crystals mined out. You can see the old casts there. Um, done surface sampling, channel sampling, chip sampling, and also in the adits. I'd had you know between grades between up to eight percent spodumene in some places. You know, grab samples in the old adits. You have grades between one and three percent. So there's some really quite promising grades there. Um, all these pegmatites quite often outcrop surface, very, very sort of small outcrops, and you can chase them down between you know, two to 20 metres at surface. And the geologists who found it, Australian geologists, they believed it's, it's similar to sort of zone pegmatite systems like Kathleen Valley or Bald Hill, where you have these small pegmatites outcropping at surface and they go down to deep feeder systems at depth. So that's what we're doing now. We've done a lot of mapping, 3D mapping, um, some sampling. We've built a big picture of the area, and now we're going to start drilling in June to test this thesis, to test whether there is a deep feeder system at depth, how, how much is below the surface. Um, so we're doing a 30-hole program. It'll be 15 of those holes at 150 metres, 15 of the holes at 300 metres. So we'll do the, the top holes just to see what's the top, what's the what's close to the surface, and then 300-metre holes to see what's further down. And with what we've done, we're hoping that can give us an exploration target at a minimum, potentially a resource. So we could have... A resource here towards the end of the year uh, if things go to plan. Is there an you, you describe them as kind of dike style formations? Is there an orientation? Is there a kind of preferred? To, is, is this a dike swarm? Is this a what, 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 how do you know where you're going to be drilling? Is, is, have you got a consistent orientation or is it going to be on a pegmatite by pegmatite uh, varying basis? So, ones in the center, which I'm highlighting now, are all swarming, um, swarming sort of that way. We've got one orientation and these ones up here again similar but they're they're more that way so we've got okay. there is a shared orientation which is what's leading us to think they are part of a, a bigger system or at least a part of a unit part of that system um so that's why we want to get drilling there um we've we've done geophysics there which has shown 
is inferred that they, you know, the routes could down go do go down further. We saw about ninety meters here, and it looks like they continue. But again, with, with the geophysics with the pegmatites, it's slightly harder harder to interpret than it is with the clays. Um, it's a very good indication, and that's another thing added to our excitement and confidence there to do something. And that's what we're doing now. We've got the funding, and we're going to get going in June. We're starting early June um, with a core program. And what are they hosted in? Um, it looks as like if they're nices and granites. Yeah. Um, with the the the, G, um, the grand predator the GPR um, geophysics that you did did it pick up the edges of the? I mean, can you get a good image of the pegmatite for the first 20, 30, 40 meters, or does it not even give you that? Um, it, it's not as clear as the clays. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but it. it it definitely, when run over pegmatites, you can see the, the structure and you can see that it goes down. Um, it's definitely a clear indication there's something going on there below the 80, 90 meters. Um, uh, and we really need to get drilling there. You know? And that's what we're doing in June. We've got the funds ready now and we'll be starting there beginning of June. Uh, good. How exciting. Um, so just, just kind of by way of wrapping up, let's go kind of go quarter by quarter. Um, from now until June... Why don't you talk me through the kind of the highlights of uh, what you think the big news yeah. items are? So, <clears throat> so with the clays, the you know, big thing is um, step up program at Basin East, drill program at Basin East Extension, drill program at Basin North, um, and then permitting at Basin West and West Extension. And we're getting results on Wikiup. So that's all our clay assets. And then also we're looking at uh, mapping at Wikiup South, we're waiting back some surface sample results from Wikiup South to work out what to do there. So that's all the clays, and that is pushing towards an early stage technical study, which will encompass everything. Um, so, so just, just it looks as if it's drilling for most of this year with the resource update at the end of this year, the beginning of next year, where that green box lies. Yes. Or the, 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 the left-hand edge of that green box. So the resource update, and then at the bottom right, you're saying potential early stage technical study 2023. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 all that's pushing towards, along with the network we're doing now. All of that is heading towards a early stage technical study because it's great increasing our resources. It's great understanding more about the assets, but you know we need to put some economics behind that so investors can see what the potential is there. And that's why we want to get an early stage technical study as done as soon as we can. And then underneath, you've got the, the in the in the blue shade, you've got the San Domingo. Uh, the pegmatite project with the drilling Q, Q2, Q3. So you've actually, um, okay, so if drilling in the middle of Q, or the end of Q2, so that's June. There we go. Yeah. And we're shortly going to be starting a shallow clay drilling program at Eureka. Because um, Eureka could be a brine and a clay project. We're not sure. We've done some magnetotellurics, which is sort of deep geophysics, understand the um, reservoir potential and also shallow geophysics gpr plus and the shallow geophysics is demonstrated we've got a similar signal like what we have at base in wikiup so we'll be doing a you know 150 foot 23 hole 150 foot program relatively shortly um which will get some results out hopefully um in the in q3 of this year from from uh, eureka and then wilson we're permitted to draw two holes there um Towards the end of the year, we'll look to doing that. But with brine drilling, it's a slightly different drilling technology. So we are trying to line up a contractor to do that. Charlie, thank you very much. It's been a, a really interesting journey through uh, Bradhead Lithium. Uh, look forward to seeing the drilling on the pegmatites and look forward to seeing the kind of the ongoing drilling and resource resource growth at, um, at Wikiup. 
in Basin East. Yes, thank you, Merlin. Really enjoyed going through it. And um, yeah, look forward to getting the results out to you as they come through the rest of this year. Good. Until the next time. See you later. Thanks, Merlin.